Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message from this week's guest speaker. Hey, it's great to be with you guys again. I love Pastor Kurt and Lindsay like crazy. Uh, he is one of my most precious friends in the whole world. Uh, so you guys are very blessed. I hope you feel that way, that uh, Pastor Kurt is your pastor. Let's just thank the Lord for the leadership that you guys have here and what God is doing. Who's heard, uh, who's been here when I've been here before? So I won't uh, bore you with all the introductions, but there are some people in this room that need to be embarrassed right now. So that's very important we get to that. My wife, Kathy, and not to embarrass you, honey, but this is my Mirena. Go ahead, honey, stand up. Yes, this is Kelly. Can you believe she has five children, the mother of five children? That would mean I have five children too, okay? So just to make that clear. But um, we had a, I had a fun experience uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, who here wants to be a father or a mother one day? Okay, so for you dads especially, um, you know, more than likely you're going to have a daughter, okay? And so let me just give you a little heads up here. When your little girl comes to you and asks something, just kind of get ready to nod your head, okay, like that. It's like irregardless of the question of what's coming, okay? I had that moment just a few weeks ago. Anna, who was in this room, she came to me and she said, Dad, I have an idea. I wonder if you would. And I'm like, yes, yes, Anna, yes, you know. Of course, before I even heard the question, will you run a half marathon with me? <laughs> Trying to pull that yes back in and shove it in my mouth and like, did you say a 5K? No, half marathon, dad. Uh, me and, you know, Austin, we're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So we did it. Yeah. Like two weeks ago, we ran the half marathon and had a great time. Um, as far as my boys, the whole asking thing, all it is is, this might look like, you know, a shirt here, but it's actually, there's an ATM right here. You should try it after the service. And actually, my boys, that's how it works with the guys. So I just gave you some parental advice before you're even a parent. Well, hey, again, it's great to be here um, with you guys and just uh, talk to you a little bit about what the Lord's doing. But there's also some things that got put on my heart that I wanted to share with you um, just about, you know, how you guys are impacting the world and how the Lord really wants to use you to impact the world. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to think about that, isn't it? I mean, we're right here in Granville, Michigan, and it's hard for us to make this connection to this place that Jesus calls the ends of the earth. But it's really important because all of us have that calling on our lives. And if we don't respond to that calling, then how will they hear? And there's all kinds of ways that you and I can be a part of that. Here's the reality. There's 7 billion people in the world today. Say 7 billion. Seven billion. Okay. Say that one more time. 7 billion. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Now, Jesus gave the Great Commission approximately 2,000 years ago, right? And in that, he said, go into all the world, into all nations, and preach the gospel. So now we've got all kinds of technology. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, the, the computer, obviously, the telephone, um, being able to travel by air, all kinds of things, technology has come in our favor. The internet, right? I mean, people are watching this live streaming right now. I mean, it's crazy, the technology. Does it shock you when I tell you that out of those 7 billion people, there's still 2 billion, say 2 billion. That's like five times the size of the United States of America, every man, woman, and child. There's 2 billion people still today who have never heard the gospel message for the first time. For the first time, they've never heard. You know, meanwhile, the church, you know, we're talking about the second coming, and is it pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? You know, what is it going on? 
And for these guys, they've never heard one time that Jesus came the first time. And that's, you guys are impacting them. I mean, is that crazy? Right here in Granville, Michigan, you guys are impacting those people. There's a lot of things we know about those people. We know where they're at. Largely, they're in this area of the, of the world in the Eastern Hemisphere called the 1040 window. Has anyone heard that term before? 1040 window. So the 1040 window is essentially, it's 10 degrees north of the equator, 40 degrees north of the equator. So picture the Eastern Hemisphere and draw a box. 90% of the people who have never heard the name of Jesus for the first time live there. So doesn't it make sense that that's where the priority would be? Where we should, as Christians, prioritize sending the gospel there. And there's one particular people group that you guys are impacting called the Hausa. And they live right inside of that window. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the Hausa is if I were to take a Bible, even if it were in their own language, and come to them and hand that to them in Hausa, they'd probably look at it and it may as well be franchise information for starting a McDonald's because they don't know what it says. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've been in the field and seen someone with a Bible in their hands and they just look at it. Oh, they value it. They value it. But guys, it's not going from the pages of that Bible into their heart because they can't read. They can't read. And so what we do as an organization is we take this and we turn it into this. Who's seen this? Raise your hand. For those of you who haven't seen this, this is called The Treasure, which is a solar-powered audio Bible. That was going to be your question, wasn't it? How's that thing work? There's no Walgreens over there. There's no Walmart or Myers or anything like that. This thing has a solar panel on the back of it, and so you can go into Africa and turn it on, let it recharge like that. Anyone take a wild guess. You will blow me away if you tell me what language this is. It's called Rundi. Rundi. Yeah. So this is a language that somebody who can't read will hear the word of God. Here's what I love about the Bible. Because, again, we're trying to connect with people we'll probably never meet. You will never meet the tens of thousands of people that have heard the gospel message because of you. Yeah, I, you didn't mishear me. I just said tens of thousands of people. Since I was here over a year ago when Pastor Kurt and I were talking about this going back two years ago, you guys have mobilized that many treasures in the Hausa language where more than 10,000 people have heard the gospel message for the first time in their life. And I love what Paul says. Because, you'll, like I said, you'll probably never meet them. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God was the one who made it grow. You see, I think we need to get that understanding deep in our spirit when we're thinking about missions. For that matter, when you're thinking about impacting somebody that God puts on your heart, maybe even in this community. I learned a very valuable lesson early on when I became a Christian. I was very zealous. I, I, who, who is 20 years old? Raise your hand if you're 20. I was 20 when I came to Christ. I was 20 years old when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I was so excited. You can imagine that whoever was in the close proximity, I'm going after like a freight train. I mean, I had a radical transformation for Jesus. 
And it just so happened to be that my younger brother was in my path. He was the first target, Ty. And I remember going into his room. Now, for 19 years, I had literally tortured him. Well, not, not physically tortured him. It was, it was on the verge of emotional abuse and mental abuse. Okay, we'll just leave it there. Kathy can vouch for that one. I'm not proud of that. But imagine my younger brother who never heard me say anything or show affection, you know, in a, in a real, you know, kind of a, a, a genuine way, never seeing that, me coming into his room and saying, Ty, I love you. He thought an alien came and took me over, possessed me. I mean, he was like, who is this dude? Greg's saying, I love you. And I wanted A to Z. I want, do you have anybody in your life that you're so passionate about seeing them come to Christ that it just almost, it just consumes you? It consumes you. If you don't, you should. You should. The first guy who discipled me said, Greg, hey, you need to do these different things. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. And you need to have a hit list. I'm like, excuse me? I understand the pray and I understand the Bible, but what's this hit list thing? And he said, Greg, you need to write down people in your sphere of influence that need Jesus. That's your hit list. And so Ty went on the top of my hit list. I said, I'm going after him. I'm going in there telling him I love him. Ty, you know, you need Jesus in your life. Jesus died for you, Ty. You know, I know we've been going to church. I, I was the best creaster you've ever met in your life. I was an unbelievable creaster, faithfully going to church on Christmas and Easter. Ty just didn't know how to comprehend that. He had no context for me. And Kathy and I were, you know, going in there, going in there, going in there. And then the Lord came to me and spoke to my heart and said, Greg, you won't be the one. You see, the Bible says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God was the one who made it grow. So for, sometimes when we come in our enthusiasm and well-intentionality to want to see someone receive the gospel, we want to pray with them and disciple them, I tell you what, a lot of times that just doesn't happen. In fact, most of the time that doesn't happen. Are you willing to obediently sow the seed? That's not too exciting, is it? That's not too exciting. I want to be the one who does the harvest. But because of that act of obedience, Kathy and I, we started praying. We started praying. We started praying for the person who would have access to Ty's heart. And do you know, we prayed in the girl that he ended up marrying, Nikki. We prayed her in there, and she came to him, and she essentially said the same thing I did. Ty, you need Jesus. He died for you. He loves you. And then she said one very important thing that I didn't have the leverage to, to say. She said, Ty, I'm never going to marry a guy who's a non-Christian. I, I didn't have that leverage. And God used Nikki to sow this seed and water a seed that I had planted inside of him. And then I got the call. I'll never forget it. I got a call one day from my little brother. He said, Greg, I did it. I did it. 
Now, I'm in the middle of a day. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know what he's saying. He could have been talking about he just ran a half marathon. I don't, I don't know what he was talking about. He said, I did it. I did it. I said, I said, dude, what are you talking about? He said, that prayer you told me about. I did it. I asked Jesus to come into my life. One of the greatest days of my life. When I think about my little brother coming to know Jesus Christ. Guys, that's happening around the world. The gospel message that Jesus told us to go and preach is going around the world like a wild fire in our community and among the house up. I have a video I want to show you that illustrates from the time of Jesus 2,000 years ago. You'll see in the upper left-hand corner a scrolling number that represents the years, and you'll see the gospel advancing. Watch this. Say praise the Lord. Wow. I love watching that little video. I saw that earlier this year, and every time I see it, I get goosebumps. Nick and I were talking about it. He said, wow, Greg, I saw that. That's so exciting to me because that's a visual of Jesus telling us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Now, that's the goal, but God doesn't leave us without a strategy. He says, here, child of God, is how I want you to incorporate. This is the strategy I'm giving you. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, when you receive the Holy Spirit and power, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That pretty much encompasses it all, doesn't it? And the one thing I love about that verse is the conjunction. It's not a comma and it's not an or, but the word and connects all of them. That makes you a global Christian in a local assembly. That allows me to come to you tonight and say, hey guys, you have people in your sphere of influence at Grand Valley State University, at the junior college. Guys, I went to Calvin College for one year and I don't know if anyone was saved. Let's not make assumptions. Let's not make assumptions that the people you know 
who say they're Christians are followers of Jesus. Let's not make that assumption. But let's focus on the people right here in our Granville and the ends of the earth. That's what allows you to sow seeds in a place like Nigeria, northern Nigeria, where you'll never go before. But the other cool thing about that verse, the witnesses. Oh, I love that word. The Greek word of witnesses is martus. Say that with me. Martus. So when it says you'll receive the Holy Spirit and power and you'll be my witnesses, it's saying you'll be a martus. Does that sound eerily familiar to another word? Martyr. That's where the English word martyr has come from. Martus. Let me give you an insight. Jesus only called martuses. Jesus only called people. This is literally what it means. A martus. Those who after his example... They've seen Jesus move, have proved the strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. Oh, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? I mean, there was a day where we thought that only applied to places like northern Nigeria, where these guys called Boko Haram operate. That's where you guys are sending treasures. You guys are putting treasures into the hands of Martuses. Because since I've been here last time, people who have distributed a treasure that you put in their hand have paid the ultimate price. There's people in Nigeria, literally, that are intimately connected to you that you would have never seen on this side of heaven who have given their life for the gospel message because Jesus did something inside of them. And of course, all of us have heard about ISIS, We've heard about, have you heard of this outfit called Al-Shabaab in northern Kenya? Luke and I were there a couple years ago. It's another radical terrorist group, Al-Shabaab, operating in supposedly the friendliest country in all of Africa, Kenya. It's where they have all kinds of tourism and all these different things. These Al-Shabaab guys are operating in there. There's a town called Mandera in northern Kenya. Just a few months ago, a busload of people were coming from Mandera going down to Nairobi. And these Al-Shabaab guys stopped the bus, and they said, hey, get off of there. And they lined everybody up, and they challenged them. They said, quote something in the Quran. And for those people who didn't, they said, you must be a Christian. And 28 people with a gun to their head said, that's right. I'm a follower of Jesus. Boom. 28 people executed just a few months ago. Oh, but it's not just isolated to Africa, is it? Or Bangladesh or Indonesia? It seems as though I've read something recently in other places in the United States of America. In a school, young people your age who were called out, are you a Christian? Given their ultimate choice. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. A Martus. Jesus only called Martuses. This is what Jesus said. He talked to the disciples. This is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? 
You see, this idea of being a martus is really an issue of your heart. Because most of us, for all intents and purposes, won't face a gun to our head. Jesus is wondering, hey, are you all in? Are you all in? Would you be willing to give it all, your life literally, if that's what it took for me? If your answer is yes, you are martus. And Jesus only called martuses. You know, you may not feel like you've stood in, in these guys' shoes, and these ladies, by the way, but as I said, you are directly participating in making disciples. I'm going to show you a few pictures here of places that you guys have been intimately involved in. This is in northern Nigeria among a people group called the Hausa. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission and he said, go into all nations, Kenya didn't exist. The United States of America didn't exist. What Jesus was referring to when he said nations was people groups. And one of them, where you guys are sending treasures, is called the Hausa. About 30 million people, one people group, 0.1% Christian. Every single treasure is loaded and sent into that area. Keep going, guys. And as I said, this is an area where there's great persecution. This is just from the last few months. This is one of the churches that the Boko Haram guys have targeted. They'll come in here, and it's the first time in history that Africa has experienced suicide bombing. I mean, hey, if you want to blow yourself up in the U.S. or Israel, there's a lot of, uh, you know, securities and things like that. Good luck stopping that in Africa. I mean, if someone wants to blow themselves up, it's almost impossible to stop it. So you have all kinds of fatalities happening in these churches. Keep going. This is what's called a, a, a refugee camp, IDP. These people, internally displaced people by the hundreds of thousands. Now let me tell you just how, how God is working. Think about the early church in the book of Acts. Persecution, you remember this. Persecution came upon the early church in Acts and what happened? They scattered that was how the gospel was spread literally to the ends of the earth because persecution came and the church scattered. Now, just imagine this. In these places that I mentioned are in the 1040 window, very difficult. It would be very difficult for you or I just to show up and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. We use national leaders. And you have to use a, a special strategy going in there to reach these people because of the cultural diversities and challenge, the language gap, all these different barriers. But just think of this. Because of all this terrorist activity, which, by the way, is primarily happening in places where the gospel's not been, in Syria and in northern Nigeria, northern Kenya, these places that are difficult to get to are creating refugee crises. And these people who were unreached are consolidating. It's like a reversal of the book of Acts. Where the church scattered, these, these people who were unreached before are consolidating by the hundreds of thousands in places like northern Nigeria. Where where? Where we can get at them and we can share the gospel message. And so these guys right here, yeah, oh, they've lost so much. They've lost so much of this earth and this life. But the Bible says that my life and your life is like a mist. It's a vapor that will go. And so now we're coming to these guys and we're bringing the good news of Jesus Christ through treasures that you guys have sponsored. Keep going. 
This is what their homes now look like. They lost everything and now living inside of these tents. Keep going. Did Jesus say go and make converts? What was the word that Jesus uses in the Great Commission? Disciples. Disciples. A convert won't stand to a gun to his head saying, are you a follower of Jesus? Uh, no, I don't think so. A martus is a disciple, someone who understands intimately what Jesus has done for them, that Jesus gave it all for them. That's a martus. And these guys and there's ladies are being discipled. It's not just throw the net and say, hey, raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus. Okay, we're moving on to the next one. Oh, no, no, no. These guys are listening to the treasure. Are you ready for this? For up to four hours at a time. Every day. So when you're struggling doing your devotions next time, it's like me too, guys. Let's think of these people who have given everything, who have such an appetite. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Oh, I want to devour the word of God. I want to have such an appetite to consume the word of God where four hours in his presence is nothing. And other stuff that I like means nothing. Four hours every day. Keep going. This is Gabrielle. This is the guy right here. This is one of my, there's not many people that are closer friends than Pastor Kurt, but this is one of them. I would give my right arm and my left arm for this guy. His name is Gabrielle. Some of you remember. Who remembers me telling you the story of Gabrielle? Who has not heard the story of Gabrielle? Gabrielle was about your age, and he was in a meeting just like this a number of years ago. And someone came to that guy while he was in that meeting, had a good government job. He was making good money. And this missionary came to their church and said, hey, there's these guys up in the mountains over there. It's called the Coma Mountains. And every once in a while, these guys come down. They, they, they're naked for the most part, but they have little leaves around them. And they'll come down, and they'll scurry down to the market, and they'll get a few things, get some sugar, and get some rice. And then they'll, you know, go back up to these mountains. There's not a Christian among them. Tens of thousands of people. This missionary is pleading with this church, somebody, somebody needs to go to take Jesus to them. Somebody needs to go and take the gospel to them. Is God putting it on anyone's heart? And Gabrielle raised his hand with about three other guys. And they said, we'll go. Nobody speaks the language. They don't have a Bible. And everybody celebrated. Oh, yes, everyone was so happy. Praise the Lord. We're raising our hands. We're praying for them. And then the missionary said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgot one thing. This is just a minor piece of information. But, you know, I praise God that the four of you are going up there. Awesome. We're behind you. We're praying for you. But uh, as far as we know, they're cannibals. But, you know, hey, go ahead. You know, go ahead. You know, that's fine. You know, you go ahead up there. We'll be praying for you. So praise the Lord. They didn't end up being cannibals. So uh, obviously by evidence of Gabrielle right there. But guys, here's the amazing thing. 
when you go to the base of the Coma Mountains today, at the time when Gabrielle went, when he was your age, there was not a single Christian among them. And because of one person's act of obedience and saying, Lord, I will go, and if I'm just throwing the seed, that's okay. If you're using me to water, that's okay. Lord, I'm just going out of obedience. Because of that act, you go to the base of the Coma Mountains today, and there's settlements of followers of Jesus. Communities, 100% Christian. Because one guy went, guys, I think when Jesus says you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth, I think he wants us to have an attitude of exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we could ask or imagine. Are you with me? Yeah. I mean, over a year ago, and someone came in here and said, hey, you're going to reach over 10,000 people who have never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Would you have said, you're crazy? Because that's what's happened in this room. See, God wants to do great things through our lives. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to believe in him? Are we going to think, Lord, you are able? Or are we going to kind of put him in a box? I, I, I love this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It says that God is not looking for talent or ability. But he's primarily looking for availability and teachability that manifest themselves in obedience when he calls. Did you catch that? Now, I'm not opposing anyone. Let's prepare. Let's, let's honor the Lord. Let's grow and develop our skills. That's not what I'm saying. But the premise of that quote, God's not so concerned about your ability. He wants to know, hey, who's available? Who is teachable? Who is someone that I can use in their current condition despite what they might even think about themselves? or what other people have said. I want somebody who's just simply available. Oh, it's not like this sophisticated, go through all this, you know, all this detailed checklist stuff. Do you know the complexity of the call of the disciples? I mean, just think about that for a moment. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It kind of went like this. Hey, Follow me. You. Follow me. Look it up. Look in the Bible and, and look at the callings. I mean, Levi, in Luke chapter 5, 17, Jesus sees this dishonest tax collector driven by greed for the first time. He locks eyes with him. Look it up for yourself. It's in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. And Jesus comes along and he locks eyes with this guy for the first time. And he says, follow me. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that this greedy tax collector, this dishonest greedy tax collector, left everything, everything to follow him. You see, even Levi understood that a martus was more about the condition of your heart. And he said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Every single one of the disciples, I found it interesting as I was looking at the calling of different people. I also found somebody in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, why don't you kind of take a peek at that for me. 
in Luke, or I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 10, we find somebody else who's given the same opportunity. And Jesus comes and he says, follow me. Let's take a look at this story. Looking in verse 17 of chapter 10, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, this guy, this guy's all in, man. I mean, he's falling right at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Oh, his resume was impressive. Jesus, look at all these things I've done. I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Oh, yes, Jesus, I am with you. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I'm in verse 21. One thing you lack, he said. Oh, does Jesus have a way at going at the stuff that we kind of have back here? Saying, oh, okay, yeah, Jesus, I've done all these good things. Yeah, oh, I haven't done that. Oh, I've done this and that. I think Jesus has a way of finding that thing that we're hiding. You know what I mean? When God called Kathy and I into full-time ministry, oh, Jesus, I've done this. I've done that. Oh, yes, we'll follow you. We'll follow you, Lord. Oh, we'll go anywhere. We'll go anywhere. And he said, really? Will you go anywhere? And Kathy and I had a little discussion, and we looked at each other, and we said, we won't go anywhere. We had this box around God's calling on our life. Oh, Jesus will serve you if these conditions are met over here. I need to be within, you know, 50 miles of my family. You know, I, I, I kind of like Michigan. I've been there my whole life. Uh, you know, I need to make this much money. You know, I need this. I need that. We had these conditions on the call. And he spoke to both of us so clearly and said, oh, no, no, no. If you are going to be a martus, you are not all in. And so we began praying and saying, Lord, just, just help us. Just reveal to us what needs to go. And surely, slowly, one by one, God started revealing things to us, didn't he? This needs to go. This needs to go. This needs to go. This needs to go. I make it sound like we were like total heathens, don't I? Oh, my God. Okay, we weren't that bad. I mean, I think it was maybe only like three things on there or something like that. The point is there was stuff. There was stuff that we were hanging on to. And as the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, shined his light on that, we said, Lord, that's yours, that's yours. We literally got to a place after about six months where we looked at each other and we said, we will go anywhere. If Jesus calls us to Erie and Jaya, we'll go. Now, there's a couple people in this room that would have been a little disappointed if I had taken my whole family and kids to Erie and Jaya. But I'll leave that alone. The point is, will we go anywhere? Will we go wherever he wants us to go? And this is the interesting thing about it, guys. 
I don't even need both hands to count the number of days before the board of world mission, who I had been volunteering with, called me up and said, hey, we want you to come in. We want to talk to you. I'm like, really? I went in there. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have anything. I sat in front of their board, and they looked at me, and they said, hey, we understand that. You know, you're praying about doing ministry work. How would you like to come work here? I'm like, uh, that, that would be great. I love world mission. They said, okay, when can you start? Guys, just like that. That was 20 years ago. I've been doing this ever since, and I am doing what God created me to do. But those six months were imperative. Because I'm not standing before you here tonight if we don't go through those six months of giving up stuff. So let's look back at our rich young ruler here. Oh, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Oh, he didn't like that. And we didn't hear from him again. Could have been, for all we know, one of the disciples following Jesus around for his earthly ministry. But instead, his stuff prevented that from happening. Like I said, though, Jesus isn't looking at our resume. Oh, he's looking at your heart. So don't buy into this lie of, oh, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't done these things. Let me tell you something. Elijah was suicidal, okay? Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses, Moses couldn't put two words together without stumbling and stuttering. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab, a prostitute. Samaritan woman was divorced multiple times. Noah was a drunk. David, a murderer. Peter denied Christ three times before a little girl who said, hey, aren't you the one that I saw you with the, the Nazarene? Oh, no, 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 that wasn't me. Zacchaeus, a little midget Money-hungry dude. The disciples fell asleep while praying at Gethsemane the night before Jesus goes to Calvary. Imagine this. You're, you're in the presence of Jesus, okay? You're, you're, with, you're with him. You're one of his disciples. And Jesus says, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. That was the words of Jesus, and they still fell asleep. The disciples. Paul, Paul wrote half of the New Testament, and before he had an encounter with Jesus, was killing people, overseeing the stoning of Stephen, one of the all-stars of the early church. Jesus is not looking at your resume. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at your heart. And he's saying, are you a martus? Are you somebody that I can use? Are you, are you somebody that will influence this world for me? Because I'm looking for somebody who will influence Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. 
And Jesus wants to do that in ways that will shock us. You remember that verse I said earlier about exceedingly abundantly? I believe that goes hand in hand with you and I. That is the vision that Jesus wants us to have. He wants us to think of things and dream about things that we couldn't possibly accomplish in our own strength. But only with his participation in this situation can it be done. I'm going to close and wrap up with it with a story. A couple of guys who probably are the most influential leaders from the 20th century, Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham. These guys, who has heard of Campus Crusade for Christ? The guys who did the Jesus film? How about YWAM? I think some of you got, yeah, why? some of you have been. Who's been with YWAM? These guys led those two organizations. And in 1975, Lauren Cunningham was at his little vacation place in Colorado. And the Lord put a vision on his heart. Now, keep in mind, this guy had accomplished a lot of things. You see, here's the thing about the Great Commission and about you being a martus. It's kind of like your life with Jesus. You never arrive. You never arrive and say, oh, hallelujah, I, I finished what I, oh, no. There's exceedingly abundantly beyond. You know there's more of you here than last time I was here? Do you think Jesus is done with access? Oh, I don't think so either. As a matter of fact, I think I'm looking at, how many are here, 200, 250? I think I'm looking at 250 Martuses who know somebody who doesn't know Jesus? You see, if I can be at Calvin College when I'm your age and my whole dorm floor needs Jesus, I think you know somebody who needs Jesus too. And Lauren Cunningham had this vision, and it was crazy. I mean, it was this crazy vision. And he calls up his dear friend, Bill Bright, and he says, I got to get with you. He goes, that's interesting. I need to get with you too because the Lord has put something on my heart. And they, they, they rushed together. They got together. They were so excited. And they shared almost exactly the same vision that the Lord had downloaded on them. It was a vision to reach our nation and the nations of the world. The Lord said, there's these influencing mountains that are out there. The body of Christ needs to recognize them and attack them in such a way that influences them for Christ. And the, the Lord showed them seven mountains. He showed them the mountain of the family. That's an important mountain, isn't it? You know our families need Jesus. Marriages need to, to rise up and, and stand for Jesus. Another mountain was the church. Another mountain was education. Who here has a burden for educating youth or have been influenced by a teacher? Education is a huge mountain that Christians need to influence. Media, arts, entertainment, sports. Who's heard of the, the, the movie War Room? Man, that thing is impacting our culture, isn't it, in a dramatic way. That's the fifth mountain, arts, entertainment, and sports. And then the sixth one, the economy, technology, and business. That area, hey, just because we have a, a, an interest in business doesn't mean that, uh, you know, hey, Jesus can't use me. Oh, only if I'm a pastor. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus wants to throw us into those areas of culture 
to influence them for his kingdom. And the final one is government. I think that one needs a lot of help. What do you think? That mountain needs a lot of help. I hope that encourages you. Because sometimes in the body of Christ, we have swallowed this notion that unless we're in full-time ministry, we can't be used. That is a lie. That is a lie. Jesus wants to launch you into the atmosphere, into these areas, and influence them for his kingdom. Amen? You see, influence is a result of our love, humility, and obedience to God. It's not a goal to be achieved. It's the fruit of our obedience. That's what Oz Hillman said. Let me read that one more time. I want this to seed in your spirit. Influence is a result of our love, humility, and obedience to God. Not a goal to be achieved. It is the fruit of our obedience, love. This is the last verse I'm going to read in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, let's talk about love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other like I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That sounds to me like a martus. Someone who's been so indelibly impacted by the love of Jesus that they themselves are willing to give that same kind of energy and focus to impact those around them. Guys, we do that in Granville. We do that in the ends of the earth and house that you guys are doing that. But we need to have our focus on the world that needs his love. Thank you for joining us for our special guest speaker this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at AccessRLC. And be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.